everybody my name is dry archuleta and i'm joined today by robbie hi and e hello and today we watched blazing saddles yeehaw and in order to stick with the theme that liz tried putting for love month i'm gonna say it's because it's like a buddy love comedy thing it is kind of a sex in this movie kind of kind of what do you mean kind of you don't see kind it. of so there there's innuendo towards sex <laughs> yeah but yeah we watched blazing saddles it was not on my radar until much later this year i actually planned to do a last ones in go to the movies with it but that's pretty far away actually yeah. for those that don't know or whenever you listen to this it is 2024 is the 50th anniversary for blazing saddles yeah. you know 50 years ago february 7th 1974 yeah. um and it is coming back to theaters via fathom events uh in september so i was gonna be like well we should go watch it then but that's a long ways away yeah, yeah. and e uh seemed pretty rooting and tooting to actually watch this movie this is one that i like wanted to watch for a while yeah it was apparently very easy i didn't know that extremely is everywhere yeah all the, uh, in, in fact robbie where are all the places that it's at you can watch it so uh if you want to rent it, it is on Google Play and Vudu for $3.99. But there's the premium subscription for YouTube, Amazon Prime, or YouTube TV. However, if you have either Netflix or Max, formerly known as HBO Max, then you can watch it on those, too. When's the last time we watched something you could actually see on Netflix? I feel like it's been so long. It's been, been a, a minute, little while. Yeah, it's been a it's Yeah, been a it's, really, <laughs> it's both on Netflix and on Mac, so. Man, that yeah. really, like, shows how far Netflix has fallen that it's not like, oh, yeah, just watch on Netflix. Nope. Yeah, they're the Netflix company now. They're not, like, the company where you go to watch random streaming things. They're the company that you watch Netflix originals there. Yeah. Right. Except they don't fund them very well and they kill them. After a couple seasons, every yeah, time the moment that people stop subscribing to watch specifically that thing, they cancel it. So makes you really not want to get invested in a Netflix thing because you're really not going to get more than three seasons there. <laughs> if you're an animated fan, maybe two, maybe one, maybe not even that. <laughs> yeah, unless I mean, you're Castlevania, it's two quote unquote, but it's just they op they order that up front and yeah. then don't ever order more, no matter what. Yeah, it's. I mean, Max is also bad. It was, I think, last month, the top five or six things watched on Max were all cartoons. <laughs> That's kind of great. Yeah, all they cartoons to... they canceled. Yeah. Good. I was going to say, all things that they tend to axe eventually for some reason or another. Yeah. In fact, still to this day, Infinity Train is still on the top of things watched on Max. It's very good. Which is a show they canceled six years ago, I think now. And then took it off of other places where you could watch it. Yeah. So feel shitty of them. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I was reading what they wanted to do. I was like, this sounds so fucking cool, and they'll just never get to do it. Yeah, and I would have watched it still. I yeah. didn't love that last season, but I still would have watched it. I liked it. It was okay. Yeah, but yeah, Infinity Train was good actually. Infinity Train's awesome. I wish I could buy a Blu-ray of it. Yeah, if only, if only. Uh, but yeah, Blazing Saddles. I've seen it quite a few times. Uh, surprisingly, don't own it. I had thought I had owned it for long time so i'd never bought it again you know they they do say that, that you can't make this movie anymore and i guess that applies to the physical releases too you're not allowed to make them <laughs> well they make a lot of them actually <laughs> you can go to walmart right now and find the five dollar dvd still. and it's such a popular movie for a movie you can't make anymore huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think that is one of those things that is like you are technically correct this is a movie that you couldn't make today 
but not for the reasons people say you can't make them, I would argue. It's just not relevant. The yeah. thing that it's spoofing anymore isn't as relevant as it was. If it were a superhero movie, sure, maybe. But like even that's kind of passing. Yeah. Yeah. But it used a spoof genre of Western to actually have some uh, social commentary in there about mm-hmm. a, quite a bit of things. Yeah. Um, something that I think is one of those things that like all the comedians are like, this is what comedy is supposed to be. It's supposed to put uh, the differences of the world in your face and make you face something, put it in a fun way. But like this just like kind of did it without being all weird and preachy about it. Like, it a lot did of it and it's not just like, let's just make fun of black people. Uh, the thing about it is, like, it, it, it does all those things, but without being super annoying and shitty about it like so many stand-up comedians now. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I keep hearing more about Dave Chappelle against my will. <laughs> and, like, it seems that he's on his, like, fourth Netflix special talk about how he's not allowed to make fun of trans people for his, like, fourth one in a row. Not quite his fourth one. His third one, I think. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Well, his second one. It's so, like, he had his Netflix special, then he did a second Netflix special where he did a bunch of jokes about trans people. And then he did a Netflix special about the jokes that he did about the trans people. And now I haven't watched his newest one yet. Okay, I think this newest one, he also brings it up again for the third time. I imagine. For a thing that he's apparently not allowed to talk about. Yeah, they uh, pay him a lot to talk about it, though. <laughs> it's so, Not to derail a ton. I mean, this is a comedy, so I feel like it's fine if we derail a bit. Because sure. a lot of this movie is going to be like, this was funny, this was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it is such a weird thing seeing him like this when all I knew him before was you telling me how, like, he quit a show that was, like, insanely popular because he felt like he was making the wrong people laugh. Yes. And now he's getting paid to make the wrong people laugh. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> um, it's one of those things because, yeah, the, there's a story that he tells anyway of why he did it was that... He was a black comedian who came up extremely quickly, and he didn't really know the ins and outs of the industry, and he was learning how shitty it was while he was doing it. And in season two, he had learned, like, hey, the people who are, like, coming back and reciting all of these things that I'm saying, like, aren't the people around me. They aren't my community. They're, like, a bunch of white people, and they're not saying it because, like, they see how ridiculous the thing is, and that's why it's funny is because it's so fucked up, and that puts a light on this thing. It's because... They just think it's funny that this is racist. And so I had to walk away. I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. And if I were to continue to do it, which he was being paid tons and tons of money by Comedy Central, and it would probably have gone on for like nine seasons if he had just decided to keep doing it. He walked away from all of it, gave a large chunk of his money away. um, And I think lost money, actually, because of uh, he was contracted for more. Yeah. So it was it was an insane thing and he was very much lost to uh the general Hollywood. I mean he moved to like Ohio I think. Yeah, it's Ohio I believe. Yeah, just a nothing nowhere town. He still got money from like his movies and stuff like that so he was living comfortably still. But he was not the name that he was for a very long time. And it was like one of those weird things of like, "Oh my god, did you there was a secret Chappelle show. You had to have been there." And like crazy stuff like that. And then he did that first comedy special of Netflix where he came back. It was huge. And everyone was like, Chappelle's back, baby. Um, and then he did that second one. And there was a very strange political shift in his comedy. Um, I think 
that a lot of his stuff is still funny, but I think it's funny for different reasons, honestly. Um, it's complicated. Kind of like maybe his sense of humor has shifted throughout the years. He is getting I older. I don't think his sense of humor has shifted. I think his personal perspective has shifted. I think the way that he tells the jokes and how he gets to the punchline, I don't think has changed a whole lot, but I think why that punchline is that punchline has changed for him. And I think a lot of that does matter of him living in this very small town with a bunch of rednecks. I think that even if he himself doesn't think that that's changed his perspective on anything, I think it's impossible for it not to have. So, Blazing Saddle. Yeah, Mel Brooks. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and read the uh, description here on Google because, again, I don't own this uh, Blu-ray DVD at all. For shame. For shame. It's rated R, by the way, for rate for R. Came out for probably, everything. For actually. everything. Probably for, like, crude humor and language. Literally for, everything, I would argue. There's drugs, there's It was sex, before there's... you had to say. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, the fact that they were drinking beer and smoking cigarettes in this wasn't, like, as big of a deal in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, They smoked weed. Smoked weed. But, again, that also was not that big of a deal, actually. Uh, But here we go. In this satirical take on Westerns, crafty railroad worker Bart becomes the first black sheriff of Rock Ridge, a frontier town about to be destroyed in order to make way for a new railroad. Initially, the people of Rock Ridge harbor a racial bias toward their new leader. However, they warm up to him after realizing that Bart and his perpetually drunk gunfighter friend are the only defense against a wave of thugs sent to rid the town of its population. That's the Google description. <laughs> kind I mean, it's technically not wrong. probably a pretty difficult thing to write a long description for. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of stuff happens in this movie. A lot of stuff does happen in this movie. It's... I mean, this this base story is kind of that. It's not yeah. more complicated than that. But the actual uh, milieu or milieu or whatever of it, like the the actual intricate ins and outs of it are very different. Yeah. I mean, if you picked it up and read that on the back of the box, you would probably just assume this is a random Western. Which, Which might yeah. be the uh, point, actually. I, w- I would say, uh, I, wonder, I wonder how it was advertised at the time. It was advertised as a comedy. Okay. Yeah, the trailers are still out there. It's it's a very silly trailer still. Gotcha. I yeah. was just curious because, like, you know, I think about, like, Cabin in the Woods, how you told me that's a very, uh, it hid, it didn't show its hand, much it, to its detriment. It did not show its hand. That movie, I think everything in the trailer that it showed was probably from the first 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Which first 15 minutes is very much like, oh, this is a horror movie. Like, this is going to be, you know, what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that movie, uh, going and seeing that in theaters without really knowing anything. And me and Sam went and saw it. Uh, me and Sam and Liz, I believe, saw it. And it just fucking kicked us right in the head because we had no idea what to expect. That was, that was one of those great movie experiences. Did Liz like that movie? She did. Huh. Yeah, she actually did like that movie a lot. It was, it was great. Man, it's a really good movie. Yeah. I. It's such a thing where it's like, man, that'd be cool if they could pull that off again, but like... It's so hard to actually pull something like that off. It is. <laughs> the only thing in recent time I can think that pulled that off is Inscription, because that game uh, likes to 
and like oh yeah it's a it's a roguelike deck builder and that's all it like wants to tell you and yeah. it's a lot more than but that but to be fair like if people the people who knew who made that game kind of went in expecting it to be weird yeah, though cuz it's uh what is it the guy who made Uni- pony island yeah pony i almost called it unicorn island <laughs> close enough yeah but the problem is it pulled it off too well yeah so that's kind of what makes people not want to do that kind of thing yeah <laughs> Because, like, man, we can really trick our audience and just hit them over the head with what this movie really is. But then nobody goes and sees it because they think it's just a run-of-the-mill thing. Yeah. So Or, like, some people see it and are just are annoyed that it's not a run-of-the-mill thing. Yeah. Like, one of the first major updates to Inscription was just adding an unlimited deck builder. Because a ton of people <laughs> wanted the, like, roguelike deck builder. Well, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I played it, and, like, it's fine. But I'm like, man, like... It just doesn't feel the same. It's not what made Inscription special. <laughs> no. Like, it's a fine deck builder, but... Yeah. Yeah, you don't exactly play Inscription for the deck building. You play it for the... Uh, for the running, Pony Island stuff. The running yeah. around. The running around at the speed of sound, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, Sonic. It's secretly Sonic 4. <laughs> There's already a Sonic Five. 4. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't There's care. There's two Sonic 4s. What? Yeah, Sonic 4 Episode 1 and Sonic 4 Episode 2. Oh, did they ever make Episode 3? No. Oh. That's how bad it's sold. Good. good <laughs> and good. you can tell, because <laughs> no one says, oh yeah, let's make two episodes of something. That's not a thing people say. That's very true. So Blazing Saddles. So Blazing, Blazing Saddles. Saddles. <laughs> um, <laughs> Robbie, you have seen bits and pieces before. Yeah, it was like little bits and pieces of it, and people talk about it a lot. So like I knew about the movie, but this is the first time I actually sat down and watched it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, e? Uh, I have seen two scenes so many times because <laughs> they get <laughs> passed around on the internet a lot. Sure. Um, I actually did see uh, like our, I think it was like an hour-long video essay about why you can't make Blazing Saddles nowadays. And then, I mean, he definitely could. Well, like, so, I mean, I'll, we'll go in it, but it's stuff that Dry was bringing up where yeah. it's like, it's such a spoof of westerns like you can't because like no one cares about westerns anymore they really don't and in a way this movie's kind of (laughs) why actually yes this movie is a huge reason why westerns died out because much in the same way that like superhero movies now which that's the closest comparison you have is westerns to superhero movies they're very much in the same kind of uh world i would say and what they did to cinema and how cinema had to change afterwards yeah uh, westerns were the movie. A thing that wasn't a western was actually very surprising back in the day because westerns were everywhere. Western shows, western fashion, western movies, western books, <laughs> western books everywhere, everywhere. Much in the same way that superhero movies now. There was western super or not, uh, western <laughs> superheroes. Western, well, kind of actually, actually there are. Yeah. Um, but like superhero shows and movies and all of it, like superhero everything. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting out of that. Uh, Finally, but. Blazing Saddles, when arguably Westerns were at their height, where people were like, Westerns are everything, Blazing Saddles came in and was like, uh, actually, this is why Westerns are all dumb. And everyone's like, oh shit, yeah, I guess they are kind of silly, aren't they? <laughs> uh, and it fucking kind of destroyed the market because people couldn't be earnest about these things that Blazing Saddles made fun of anymore because people would just be like, oh, they, oh that's, oh, I, okay. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Like we... it is, because cra- like, has that even? Well, I mean, Hollywood in a way probably just refuses to let it happen again. Yes. But like, 
what other instance is there or something like that? Like the, the closest is like scary movie killing off parody movies in a way, I guess. In a way, but like it's such so, a different beast of how it killed off parody. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like scary movie just oversaturated the market to a point where nobody cared anymore. Yeah, that's kind of the interesting thing about it is the that inverse, huh? Yeah, yeah, it was not that it was so good that it pointed out the flaws of all the ones that people thought were great before. It's that it was so bad and it kept getting worse that people were like, oh, this genre sucks actually. Yeah. When it doesn't, it can still be done well, but you haven't seen it done well because nobody wants it anymore because of the damage that it did. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I'm pretty sure there's somebody out there who has a really good parody script that Hollywood just will not touch. Absolutely. I think a lot of the like parody stuff is stuck to shows nowadays. Like not even like a specific show will do it. Just like a show will have a parody. Yeah, as like yeah. The closest you see to parody now is probably sketch shows. Yeah, yeah. Which that's probably true. Yeah, but yeah, nobody really does. Just like hey, here is a parody movie of this thing anymore because just people aren't interested. Mm -mm. I don't know if I would even be interested if somebody came out with a parody movie because I think what was the people who wrote like uh what's the the Charlie Sheen one, uh, Charlie. loaded gun, naked oh. gun, um, uh, hot shots, hot, hot shots. shots. Uh, they did, they did, uh, scary movie three, and that's your favorite of the series. That's my favorite of the series. And everyone, I see so many people like, oh, this is when it got bad. And it's like, what? <laughs> this is when it got it anything. <laughs> I'd say like scary movie three is the strongest of the scary movies. It is the by funniest, a long shot. It is the funniest one easily. I think people in a lot of ways, just don't want that kind of silly movie anymore. Yeah. I think people spend, and fair enough, hard-earned money. They don't want to just go to a movie and be like, that was silly. They want to go to a movie and feel something or see something they've never seen before, and I don't think a parody... Or see something explode. Or see something explode. Like, they want to escape, and I don't think a parody does that, because a parody in itself is in there to make you think about something, and a lot of people don't want to think as silly as it sounds. Yeah. As silly as it sounds. It's an escape for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, it's something that we talk about a lot on the podcast, too, is, like, some movies are, are just cheese was for the brain. Like, you just turn your brain off for two hours and laugh at something that's on the screen. Yeah. But Blazing Saddles, I think, was one that was really good at being both. And it was yeah. a big turning point at proving that both could be done at the same time. Yeah. I mean, Blazing Saddles is so interesting because, like, you know, it's a parody of Westerns, but it feels such... It just is a Western. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. actually feel like a parody a lot of times. Yeah, I think the parts where you almost kind of forget a little bit that it's a parody is when you're introduced to Gene Wilder. Yeah. Because he's fucking good still. Yeah. He's an amazing actor. <laughs> he is. So good. He is one of those people who could probably, like, he probably could have won Oscars for a drama that if you really wanted to, but it seemed like his passion was doing comedy, so he just stuck to comedy. Did he ever do, like more serious work i don't know if he did i'm not really aware of it i'd be i'm gonna google it just to see i'd be curious because like you know i think of like him in like uh, charlie and the chocolate factory and stuff and it's like huh you know like he's the best part of that movie for sure yeah he he makes that movie work and like young frankenstein he's such like he's just he's always funny and like charming yeah yeah that's kind of thing is that he has this what feels like almost an effortless charm in all of his roles. And he he does the thing that so many great comedy actors do of he plays it completely seriously. 
mm-hmm. because if you play it more serious, if you play it like it's supposed to be played and it's this ridiculous thing, it's going to be 10 times funnier than if you didn't. If you, the actor, feel like you're as in on the joke as the character would be, you lose it. You do. You just yeah. lose some of it. Yeah. And also, I think that's another thing because, uh, you know, Gene Wilder passed some years back, uh, God, ripe age of like 86 or something like that. He's fairly old. Yeah, he was. But I remember one of his requests, or hearing that one of his requests was not to announce when he died to people because he didn't want to hamper somebody's day. He didn't want somebody to feel bad because of his death. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it was, is he liked making people laugh. He liked making people smile. He wanted to people just to be happy. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, kind of a recluse, one of those kind of actors. Yeah. But he did a great job. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think in those moments where he's there and it's just him and uh, the main character whose name I just... Bart. 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 <laughs> uh, whenever they're talking, they just work so well together yeah. on screen. Like, that's... Really, you forget that mm-hmm. it's not just a normal Western. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Uh, but yeah. Uh... Robbie, yo, what are your initial thoughts on Blazing Saddles? <laughs> Twenty minutes in, yeah, it was good. I I really enjoyed it. I knew I would too, though, because you know it is a Mel Brooks movie. It's probably one of his most beloved movies. Um, it does have a message without getting too preachy about it, but it also is just funny for the sake of being funny sometimes, because that's just Mel Brooks. He just likes to be silly in his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's silly. It, it's has a decent story it has comedy that kind of goes off the wall sometimes too sometimes a little bit too much but that's kind of mel brooks's style yeah uh i kind of like the fourth wall break that they do in this movie towards the end uh but we'll get into that whenever we start talking more about the movie but all in all like this was it it was a fun little trip to watch this movie yeah this movie's awesome (laughs) i fucking love it (laughs) oh good um it is so funny in so many ways it has amazing like character uh humor has amazing like visual humor all the time like it i mean mel Brooks does this a lot where like you can just pause the movie sometimes and just find a bunch of jokes happening yeah and it's awesome uh i love bar and jim i think they're both like just good characters like they're yeah. just fun characters that you could have had in a normal western yeah absolutely um and there's so it's just so fun to watch it go and just keep rolling like it never stops though the pacing's a bit crazy yeah <laughs> pacing is all over the place yeah yeah i if i think that's the biggest flaw of this movie is the pacing's all over the place which like it's a comedy movie so like whatever in a way but <laughs> it's like so weird to watch where there are so many times where it'll just like do five scenes in a minute and then it holds on a scene for like 10 yeah that's actually just westerns, though. Yeah, that that is true to an extent. Like it, you know, it maybe like is too close to what it is. The the one I remember is where like he's introducing himself to the townsfolk, and it's like <laughs> one scene, and then he talks to a person, and it cuts back to the. Yeah. Uh, I don't know it's silly. I mean, I I will say I actually do still have a fondness of westerns, like it. There's a lot of nostalgia for of watching it with my grandparents for mm-hmm. me. Um, whereas I think Dry, you said you kind of had too many, so you don't have too much of a fondness of them. It's kind of been a boomerang effect for me. Oh, really? 
Yeah. So whenever I was younger, it was, if I was at my grandparents, it was literally Westerns and Fox News. So I had to either watch news that I didn't care about until now that I actually uh, hate watching, having to watch that particular channel, uh, or Westerns that at the time I thought were just slow and boring. Whereas now, if there's a Western on, and I start to really pay attention to it. I'm like, wow, they're like actually like putting some effort into it. They're like letting kind of the characters breathe a little bit. They're kind of building tension with a lot of the stuff. In the good ones, anyway. Yeah. There's a lot of bad ones. So there's, a lo- bad there's ones. a lot of spaghetti westerns out there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's there is a very particular pace and rhythm to westerns that no mm. other genre really has. No, like it's it's not breakneck, but at the same time, it's so like scene 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 but each scene isn't inherently fast paced that's the part that's so weird about westerns yeah cuz we we don't we don't have stuff like that anymore it's true you know for better or for worse in a lot of ways obviously yeah i think maybe the closest that we have is maybe things from like quentin tarantino cuz his stuff in a lot of ways it, well it's very much inspired by westerns he grew up yeah. on westerns and loves them and b movies and stuff like that but I think that you see a lot of the inspiration in his movies because it's a lot of hurry up and wait. Like, he really wants you to push into a scene very quickly and then just sit there and just let it all happen for a while and just build that tension. And I think that is comes from a lot of inspiration from Westerns because Westerns really do love lingering on these characters and this basic tension of, like, good guy, bad guy, face-to-face yeah. talking to each other. And it could explode at any moment. Like, that, that is the base of Westerns, really. I think a lot of it, like, makes sense, too, in context of Western. Because in a Western, all the entire, like, important part is decided in one shot, essentially. Yeah. Because, like, uh, you know, you get the back and forth between the sheriff and the uh, whoever the, the outlaw of the week is going to be. Yes. Where it's, like, <laughs> them talking back and forth. And you know, like, all it is is going to be, it's draw at high noon and they shoot and the sheriff's gonna win yeah but like they they want to build that to make sure you get there and aren't bored because you know how it's gonna end yeah yeah there's no no mystery in the ending it's all just building up tension to that moment yep yeah yeah it is because like in a lot of ways there isn't that sense anymore because like if you think of like pacing in a superhero movie the big, like, fight is going to be, like, 20 minutes. Yes. Whereas, like, that's the inverse of how Westerns work. Like, it's all that lead up to the one-minute fight. Yeah, to the mm-hmm. quick release. If that, yeah. Yeah. And it's, like, it's just interesting thinking of it that way. And, you know, I wonder if you could do something like that nowadays. I think some movies try, and some to better effect than others, but... I think that there's an expectation with how movies are now. And in a way, I really do blame superhero movies for this because they've kind of ingrained what it is to go to a theater and to like experience a movie and like, you got to get your money's worth. You got to have the big 30 minute action scene at the end or else what are you doing? You got to have all these references, all these other things, and you got to have these jokes and you can't have tension for too long or else everyone gets uncomfortable. Someone has to fart. Yeah. Like there, it, it really is kind of that way. And so whenever you do have a movie that is just like builds tension and then just snap quick releases it. I think people walk away much 
maybe confused is more of the word. Because I think that movies have trained people to expect a certain thing. And then when a movie kind of doesn't deliver on that thing that they've expected, they almost get disappointed because it wasn't the exact thing that they expected to happen. Yeah. So well, that was, the, <clears throat> that was the thing about a lot of those Westerns. Like you said, it was, you know, building up tension to, you know, bad guy fighting good guy and good guy winning. And you expect that to happen in those movies, but it's become less of the expectation in modern movies now. Like they kind of, they try to turn it on its head more often than they can. So they try to like put some twist in there. Like, oh, you think this is going to happen, but this is going to happen instead. Mm-hmm. Or like uh, something that seems like it's super, that's super important is going to be like the main plot of the entire movie ends up becoming not important by the end of the movie because of something either bigger that happens or something else that made that a null point later on. And it's kind of almost like this post-meta era that we're in of movies. Yeah. It is funny, like saying like, "Oh, we're in this weird post meta." Because like this, Blazing Saddles is a meta ass movie. Yeah, it is, <laughs> and I think that that is kind of one of the reasons of why it worked so well, is because when it is spoofing all of these things and doing all these extremely western spaghetti western things, it's not afraid to literally look you in the eyes, like have the character stare into the camera and just be like, "This is fucking ridiculous." Yeah, mm-hmm. and just say it and point out to everybody who's watching it in the audience like this is dumb right like all right let's keep going <laughs> I, one of the first times that they do that in the movie is like whenever the governor's like what should i do what should i do and then looks right into the camera and goes wait why am i asking you and then walks away <laughs> yeah uh let's get into the plot a little bit sure. i like okay. this movie by the way yes. yeah <laughs> sure i had a you know just in case you thought yeah. he might not with how much he's been praising the movie yeah um it is a very basic plot uh there is a a railroad being built. Yes, and uh, I don't want to spoil any of the jokes. This is one of those movies where I think people need to watch it for the jokes. So yeah. I don't really don't want to spoil any of the jokes. I, I feel like we could spoil. We can talk about a like couple of them. Fifty jokes, and the people listening still have two hundred to yeah. look for. That yeah. is one of the good things about uh, Mel Brooks movies, and it's always been the case because I think pro- like, the producers was probably his very first movie, wasn't it? No, I think I think this was no uh, producers before this. Uh, maybe. Yeah, Producers was the 60s. But anyways, uh, the thing about Mel Brooks movies is, you know, they're always telling jokes. And it's like a mile a minute that they're telling jokes usually. And while they're telling the jokes, there's usually visual gags happening. And when there's visual gags happening, there's also stuff in the background, almost like little Easter eggs for you to find that are kind of funny. Whether it's like of the moment that's funny or something that's relevant of the time that's funny that's happening. (laughs) Unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff still relevant. Yeah, that's kind of the most troubling part of this is that the things that this is making fun of, of like how ridiculous is this, that we're dealing with all of this in a modern age, 50 years after the movie came out, we're still dealing with it. Yeah. yeah. Like we've obviously improved in many ways, but like, yeah, a lot of like the meat and potatoes is like, man, <laughs> that's still, still around. Huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the blatant racism is still very much an issue more so now than it was maybe 10 years ago. Or maybe it was just hidden better. Yeah, I think that's probably more like... I, I bet if you ask some people, they would tell you, like, no, nah, it's always been there. You just get to see it now, basically. Yeah, and that is very likely the case, that it's just the people who feel that way and think that way wrongly, I think are just due to Trump being the terrible, awful human being he is, I think people feel more comfortable coming out and just being that way. Because, like, if the president can do this, then why can't I do this? So I think we're just kind of stuck with people being super shitty for mm-hmm. a while. But yeah, 
the extreme racism in this, which is extreme. Yeah. yeah. Can't I mean, really spaghetti. It's, it's Western times. Yeah. It is. It is one of those things. I can't remember the name of the actual comedian, but that's one. Or he was actually talking about Django Unchained whenever he's talking about it. But he was saying whenever you have like these Western films or, you know, talking about uh, black lives like during the 1800s, you have to have white people doing some despicable things in order to tell that story correctly. Yeah. And if you don't, then you're just uh, trying to turn a blind eye to how bad racism was during, you know, before the prohibition. I mean, not prohibition, fuck. Uh, Emancipation Proclamation. Before prohibition, too, I think. It was before prohibition. It was before prohibition. <laughs> I technically wasn't wrong, but it was the wrong subject. Uh, I mean, it's the it's the thing, too, of, like, Westerns are ultimately, like, a huge white fantasy. Yes. Like, historically looking, like, most cowboys were Mexicans and, mm-hmm. like, Native Americans. Yeah. Like, white, it was, like, a dirty job. It wasn't seen as, like, a big, like, you weren't, the good people weren't the cowboys. No. Like, actual cowboys in the 1800s were people who were, like, taking care of your cattle and taking care of your land, and they yeah. were ranchers and farmers. Low, They were low-paid, yeah, low low-skilled, quote-unquote, workers. Yeah. But then they got romanticized probably, I want to say, like, the 30s or 40s. I mean, yeah, like Clint Eastwood and... Yeah. Well, they... I'm saying, like, they started to, like, in the 30s yeah, and 40s, and then, like, you know, they got super popular probably, like, the 50s and 60s with, like john wayne and yes um yeah and like a lot of those guys and just like the romanticizing of the cowboy of like some guy coming in and cleaning up the town i mean i guess in a way it makes sense though because like if we're talking about that where it's like 30s and 40s then 60s like westerns getting really popular that's time for all the people who were kids back then to be adults now and kids Mm -hmm. probably thought they looked cool yeah Anyone on a horse looks cool if you're a kid. Most people look cool if they have a gun and a cigarette and a horse. Yeah. You're just going to look cool. And a big hat. And a fucking giant hat. Ten-gallon hat. You're going to look cool. But yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, one thing that I keep thinking of, of like, almost this boomerang effect on Westerns, is that uh, there's this show on air now, and it's huge. It's fucking gigantic. The, I can't. like, Yellowstone or whatever? Yeah. And it's made by Taylor Sheridan, the guy who we've watched a couple of his movies on here. Uh, he did Hell or High Water, uh, ah. Sicario, uh, one other. No Old Men's. No, no not, that was no, the Coen Brothers. The Coen Brothers did No Country for <laughs> Also not Men. the name of the movie. No. <laughs> it, there, there's another one of his that we watched on the podcast here. But he is the creator of Yellowstone. Okay. And all of its spinoffs. And another show that is out right now called... Lawman Bass, no Lawman Bass Reeves, which is the crazy idea of a black man as sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is premiering like I think it premiered this this month. I think if I'm not that wrong, is so funny. Yeah. So like the idea of like you know, black man as a sheriff is still like relevant for the Western I thing mean, now. Even now, like they're. I don't know if it's a new movie or a reboot, but like Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Like they were like, oh yeah, uh, this this black girl is going to be like the main person in it. And we were like, that's insane. What black people are in the Caribbean? <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess it's like right up there with the like, our Little Mermaid can't be black. <laughs> yeah, she's underwater. Yeah, like it's it's so ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, just the fact that like Taylor Sheridan is... I haven't watched any of these shows. I got bored watching Yellowstone. I've seen a handful of episodes of Yellowstone, but that's because my, you know, my family back in the town that we grew up in, yeah. apparently 
they absolutely love that show. I'm, I'm fucking obsessed. So I worked at a Spirit Halloween last year, and I saw that. I was like, oh, I guess there's like some new Western coming out. Little did I know, it's a fucking like six season going on like 10 years show that I've never heard of. You would yeah. think that, right? Yeah. No. It's going on to its fourth season, and it's been around for like six years. Yeah, but that's like, a lie, but yeah. It's a lot, like, but still four seasons for everyone to be like this crazy obsessed with it is insane. Yeah, because I, I think I told you right, because I saw a commercial, I was like, oh yeah, that's like a new show, right? He's like, no. Yeah, <laughs> it's been around for a hot minute. It has. <laughs> I'm not like, sure I believe it's not like a psyop. <laughs> it, honestly, it might be. I don't know. But yeah, I think whenever I moved back here is whenever like it started to like really pop off. Yeah, yeah. that's whenever they came out with like what was it, 1883, which is supposed to be one of the spinoffs, and then like there's another spinoff that takes place that's recently came or came out and uh, has Harrison Ford in it. I think what? that one is 1883. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and then there's another spinoff coming up, which is a sequel spinoff. I think that's going to star Matthew McConaughey. Oh boy. <laughs> Yeah. How does this have so many shit? People fucking, yeah, people fucking love, love it, dude. Uh, they love it. Maybe we're going to see the Western resurgence. We very Maybe. well could, honestly. We're very cool, well, honestly. It yeah. is very cowboy esque, and it's very honest about being a cowboy, both in like the good ways and the bad ways. Yeah. We need we need a western with a Mexican cowboy just to see everyone get pissed. About I it. absolutely agree with you. <laughs> I don't like you know this movie has Mexicans, which is more than most westerns. More than most westerns, <laughs> add more Mexicans and less Native Americans than most westerns. Yeah, actually, <laughs> I was really surprised this movie didn't have the like the wise Native American that was friend of all the white guys. No, and the, one of the good ones. Yeah, no, it didn't have that at all. Uh, I think it was very concentrated on being like Native Americans, totally fine. Black people, totally fine. White people, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, it was kind of very stuck on that. I mean, <laughs> they made a lot of points about how we just stole all the Native Americans' land and like left them nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so crazy in 1978 when this is something people still try to debate about. Yeah. Yeah, it actually is. I mean, I hate to say it, it's something that's been hotly debated for a very, very long time. Like, people, there have always been like a, I don't want to call it like a counterculture, but like people who are always against like racism, mm -hmm. like it's been around about as long as um, like slavery has been around. Honestly, like there's always been people who have talked against it, but there's always been people who have been for it. And there's always been this huge fight for it. Like, I think, uh, I think the there was this big war about it at one point. Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> I think we're getting like you could say soon. like this was uh, <laughs> crazy for the 70s, but we can also say that, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird is crazy for the 50s. I would say it is. Yeah. Yeah. That movie's insane. Or that book. That book. Movie. <laughs> That's a movie, too. But it's insane now. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I hate to say it. It kind of shows the more that some things change, the more that some things stay the same. Because mm. like, <sighs> you wish some things would just change, though. You would. I, I know. <laughs> Uh, I still like there's so much shit I see, especially like now with like the genocide happening in Palestine, where you see like a lot of the remnants of what happened to the Native Americans, where it's like a bunch of like, oh, they're not using the land correctly, and like we would use it efficiently and properly, mm -hmm. and this and that. It's like, what do we decide what land? Yeah, because we're doing so fucking good over here. <laughs> like, what the hell? We can't even get people. We don't even have houses for all our people. I think they are doing a better job than us at that. No, the problem isn't the amount of houses. We have more than enough houses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's something that I told Drya that uh, kind of shocked him a little bit, that if uh, housing was free, we would have, and we just decided to, you know, give housing to every single person that was documented as uh, homeless. 
we'd be able to give every single homeless person at least 10 houses for every empty house that there is. So I remember like seeing some more stuff and there's a lot of like weird asterisks on that because there's a very uh, understated population of homeless people. Like a lot of places don't like saying how many actual, how many homeless people actually live there. Yeah. So well, there's not it's a not good only so answer. Much that. It's not only so much that, but it's also the fact that like if you're homeless, the whole idea is to be hidden. Yeah. And so you don't want people to uh, find you, but like, you know, People still know where like the slums are, and they know where to find homeless people. But like, there it is undercounted. Don't get me wrong, but there's still a lot of empty yeah, fucking houses. Yeah, there's a lot of empty houses and stuff. Like, there's so much we could do, but like, all the politicians' answer is just hide them. Yeah, better. Yeah, that's really all all they have the answer for. Let's get back to the movie though. Yeah, sure. I think we should talk about things that we enjoyed about the movie, and less about the proper plot of the movie because the plot is not the most interesting yeah. part of the movie in my opinion yeah. i mean plot's super simple if you wanted to like boil it down to its base things it's you know governor wants to make millions of dollars off of this railway but the town's getting in the way so they decide that they want to get rid of the town they kill the sheriff uh governor ends up instating a black sheriff trying to get the people to move out the black sheriff moves into the town people don't like the black sheriff the black sheriff shows that he's smarter than everybody there um Makes friends with Gene Wilder, which, you know, good choice. Um, <laughs> am I wrong? <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> um, you know, if you want to be friends with anyone, Gene Wilder is definitely up there. fucking Should have been on everybody's list. <laughs> um, he defeats them all. Uh, they end up breaking the fourth wall towards the end of the movie, which is one of my favorite parts of the yeah, movie. You don't, uh, ends like, up killing the governor. I'm going to say that part, like... You just need to see it. I we should just avoid talking much about it because like I didn't know it was coming and goddamn that's insane. Yeah, it's real good. It's real good. Uh, ends up killing the governor, ends up saving the town, and then decides that he's going to be on his merry way because he's bored with the town. Yeah, <laughs> I do like it because <laughs> yeah, it's just like, uh, you know, we're justice and prevail like the generic speech yeah. they always give, and they're like bullshit. He's like, yeah, I'm just bored. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, and then rides off into the sunset with Gene Wilder, which yeah. once again, good choice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. I think some of the things that are really good in this are the chemistry between Gene Wilder and the actor who Bart played Bart. Uh can you pull up his name, Robbie? Working on it. Because I can't I can't remember his name. I don't actually know if he really went on to do much more than this either, but Um Cleavon Little was his name. Cleavon Little. Um the chemistry that those two have is just fucking insane right well to be fair they're both very charismatic actors yeah and they work very well together yeah they do like you do, you believe their friendship as soon as like they start getting to know each other you yeah. really do there are some scenes in this where you're like was this even scripted or were they just having fun i think a lot of it was so you know i'm gonna talk about one of the scenes that gets thrown on the internet every fucking like two months <laughs> um so you know slight spoilers uh so once he's like sheriff, he's like, I'm going to go talk to all the townsfolk and they'll have to accept me. And then he gets called the N word and he goes back and like is kind of stewing in his rage as Gene Wilder's like, you got to understand these are simple minded folk, you know, morons. Yeah. And that part wasn't scripted from what I've heard. Oh, the morons specifically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like when, when Bart lo- like starts losing it, that was genuine. Like he wasn't, he was trying, he was supposed to stay like stone faced, but he couldn't. That's great. Of, yeah. So yeah, that's one of the things I always hear about. And it's, it's just fun. And I don't know, like their, their friendship again, could have just been in a normal Western. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's kind of the, 
like an easy trope that most westerns fall into where it's like the sheriff in the like reformed outlaw yeah quote unquote yeah and but also it's one of those things i remember hearing about uh, another movie that gene wilder was in the see no evil hear no evil which he did that movie with richard Pryor, which one of them is blind and the other one's deaf and they have to try to solve a mystery together but very silly apparently like while they're on set like uh gene wilder and uh, richard Pryor were just like the best of friends on set Mm. Yeah, so that's one of those things that's probably one of the more well-known facts about Blazing Saddles is that Richard Pryor helped write this movie. Yeah. He was originally supposed to play the sheriff. Oh. Uh, and then there was a last-minute scheduling conflict. He wasn't able to do it. So, uh, Levon Little. Devon? Cleavon Little. You're Cleavon Little. One of them. <laughs> <laughs> He's Little. Uh, Cleavon Little stepped in and filled the role. But they, Gene Wilder, every movie that he was on, they let him rewrite his characters. So he always had some sort of role in writing everything in, in Wonka. He helped and everything that he was in. Uh, he had a role in writing his characters because yeah. every director he worked with kind of just had an understanding that he knew what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, so, like he, he definitely did. Like, yeah. yeah. Again, he's such he's just a charismatic actor. Like you, yeah. He just fits every role I've ever seen him in, and he's just so much fun to watch. He is. Which is funny because like, his actual role in this movie is very subdued. Like he's mm-hmm. just, he's arguably like the straight man. Yeah. Which is funny. Cause uh, Bart is also the straight man. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> like the two straight men that somehow work off each other. Yeah. I think that's kind of why it works so well though, is because they're able to, again, that thing that I was saying earlier of like, they both just play it very seriously when they're talking to each other. And so everything that's very heightened and silly, they play it very low. And so it just becomes more and more ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think a good example would be, like, the whenever he's like, hey, I just invented the candy gram. I doubt they're going to give me any royalties on this, though. <laughs> yeah, so a big bulking guy. They send a big bulking guy into town to stop the sheriff. Yeah. And he's ridiculous. He, like, whenever the sheriff goes out to try and fight him at first, he's like, goes to grab his gun. He's like, no, 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 don't do that. You're only going to make him angry. <laughs> Great. Yeah. And then goes out to fight him. And he comes, he goes in with the candy gram and goes to the guy. He's like, candy gram, candy gram. And the fucking... <laughs> The Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes start playing, and he walks away, <laughs> and then a fucking Acme bomb goes off, and it finishes the Looney Tunes song. It's so, it's so good. good. But, like, you know, it, it probably sounds silly, but, like, I generally, like, Looney Tunes is such an important, like, landmark of a lot of stuff. Yeah. It is. Especially like, when it comes to slapstick comedy. Yeah, yeah. But even, like, just in general, I think, like, a lot of the writing and timing and stuff, like, Looney Tunes nailed. Yeah. Absolutely did. And it's just, like... I think more stuff needs to take a book out of Looney Tunes, honestly. And, like, if you look at Chuck Jones' notes on a lot of stuff, you would think they were written by some fucking, like, college professor trying to, like, make something sound more professional than it is. But, like, no, like, he took it deadly serious. And, like, you need to do all this stuff. And, like, this all needs to happen to make this work. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen all of his notes, but I did see his notes on Wile E. Coyote, which those Yeah, the, alone... like, nine commandments, basically, of yeah. Wile oh, really? E. Coyote. Oh, yeah. It's like, uh, he, he's like, only allowed to be harmed by his it, own self. His own stupidity. Uh, um, all things must be Acme products. Uh, the Roadrunner must stay on the road. Otherwise, it's not a Roadrunner. And, like, <laughs> one of the most important, like, arguably the most important thing is he could, that Wile E. Coyote could stop at any point. Yeah. But he just chooses not to. Huh. And like, so, yeah. And the so, other, other ones, like, he is more embarrassed than hurt by his actual stuff. 
that's good. Yeah. Yeah. He basically like wrote like a a series Bible for yeah. like how to do this correctly. Yeah, that's good. And I I mean it shows like Roadrunner is such an interesting thing because you can just kind of always watch it. Yeah, it's like, timeless. You think it would be like boring after a while, but like it really isn't. No. It's the it's the same setup and punchline basically every time, but it just works so effort flawlessly. Yeah, uh, that's kind of there's a weird era of media and cartoons in general that you can put them on at any time and they're just always going to work. Yeah. They just they did what they did so well, they're just always going to work. And again, I think that's kind of Blazing Saddles. I think yeah. it's going to be one of those movies that you can put on with the right audience yeah, at any I mean, time, and it's going to work because it just does everything so flawlessly. I think that's like what's so funny about the you can't make this now crowd about yeah. it. Because like, it, ju- it is generally just as relevant now as it ever was back then. Yeah. And like all the jokes are still just funny now. Like none of them actually feel like they're punching down and all that. And th- literally all the reasons you couldn't make it now are unrelated to the things that people say are why you can't make it now. Cause like, yeah, there's like this big thing of like, Oh, you can't make it out. Cause they're, it's too P- people are too PC. It's like, there's not a lot of this. That's inherently like politically incorrect. I would argue. No, and, like, no. I think there's joke about race and like, all that but it's not in a way that's like racist i guess is the best way to put it i would say that there is racism in it but the film itself is not racist yeah right which is the biggest difference of why it works Mm. because i think it has what some of the early south park stuff has uh and what some of the early family guy had of like it's doing this thing because it's ridiculous and everybody watching and everybody involved knows how ridiculous it is. That's why this horrible thing works as being funny. And I think a lot of modern South Park and definitely modern Family Guy has fallen into, we just do this now because that's the thing that gets laughs instead of this is why it's funny is because everybody yeah. knows how stupid and awful and terrible this is. Like, I think this falls into that. of Like, everybody knows how fucking terrible this is. Right. And so the audience that is going to find this funny is going to be the people who realize how awful it is. Yeah. Because that's what's funny about it is you're following this guy who's like, God, this is shitty. And having to like navigate that and still like just be the person that he is. Yeah. And like a lot of it, I think works so well because Bart is like Bart's smarter than everyone else. Every single person. Yeah. Like he diffuses the first situation by holding himself hostage because <laughs> he knows that the town's full of idiots. Yeah, it's really good. Really good. And like, that's the thing. He like, he outwits them all the time. Yep. And I think that's what makes it so good. Because like, you know, the way that some people talk about how you can't make this, you would assume that Bart would just be like a walking stereotype. Yeah, and he's not. No, like he breaks basically every stereotype. Yeah. The only, like, the few times there are, like, stereotypes about black people are done as a joke or, like, to yeah. show, to make someone else's stupidity more obvious. Yeah. Like, whenever they have to trick the uh, those two KKK members. Yeah. And so he acts like a stereotypical black man for that. Or whenever he's holding himself hostage and he's acting like a stereotypical black man while he's doing it. Yeah. 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 Like, I don't know. It's just why it works a lot. And I don't, this is going to be, like, the weirdest-ass comparison. Um. <laughs> Like, hearing people talk about how you can't make this anymore, I think a lot about blind spotting, because I think there's a lot of similarities, actually. Okay. 
like especially like you know stereotyping and like what people have expectations based on where you are and all that and especially like some because you know blind spotting is not as much of a comedy as this obviously like different type of comedy yeah different type of comedy is probably more of the point but like i i think there are a lot of similarities about like race and like you know gentrification all that and i think that's like so you know people say like oh you can't make this like blind spotting is like what three four years old i think it's about five years old now yeah five yeah like (laughs) like that that arguably breaks some of the stuff people say you can't do it anymore it's like what do you mean well, I think when people always say that, it's always the crowd that's like, you can't do this anymore because racist. But, again, the movie's not racist. No. The movie is showing you why racism is bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the most unfiltered way possible. It's it's like a joke I saw where it's like, if this movie was made nowadays, people would complain that it's woke garbage. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, like, you need to take the politics out of Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, like this is one of those things that would be fodder for Fox News now. Yeah. Probably. You'd be like, it's unrealistic for there to be a black sheriff. That would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> be four hours of that before they got to, is Trump going to be president still? Hopefully. Uh, uh, that's all the news coverage is. When's anyway. he enacting the Magna Carta or whatever? <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. This movie was and remains to be. I think extremely important of a touchstone. Yeah. I think like there's a reason people just talk about this all the time. Yeah. Like it is one of the biggest movies out there in a lot of ways. And like 50 years later, we're people still talk about it. Like the same. I feel like maybe in higher regard. Yeah. To the people who had ever had any regard for it in the first place. Anyway, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's another thing that people really do get stuck in is like, you know, Blazing Saddles, right? Like people on the internet just know Blazing Saddles because it's referenced all the time. If you mm-hmm. watch YouTube, people love the comedy. It's like in a lot of ways how uh, early YouTube like movie reviewers, everybody was like, well, Mr. Science Theater 2000, that's how we all got our start because yeah. we love that thing. And I think you see a lot of like comedians be like, or like writers be like, yeah, Blazing Saddles. Like that's what you always strive for. You strive for Blazing Saddles. And everybody who, like, knows Blazing Saddles knows what people are going for. But everybody gets stuck in, like, I know this thing. So clearly everybody knows this thing. Mm -hmm. But they forget that, like, your circle of knowledge is tiny. And there's actually a whole globe of people who don't fucking know this thing even exists. Right. And you could walk into the middle of a city and start quoting it. And of the hundred people that walk by, I bet you get three that even know what you're talking about. Like, that's kind of, that's what I think is always so funny about, like, these big touchstone, like, movies or shows or, like, pop culture things is there's people who just don't pay attention to pop culture. Yeah. I mean, I think a good example of something like that is how, um, like, Game of Thrones, whenever it was at its height and, like, people are talking like, oh, all anyone ever talks about is Game of Thrones. Like, people are like... We're in like a weird badge of honor of like, oh, I never watched an episode of Game of Thrones, so yeah. I'm different than everybody else. I'm like, yeah, but at its height, there's 10 million people watching it. There's 8 billion people on this earth. That means that a large majority of people, like maybe two, like 98% of the human race has never seen this show. How does it feel to not be special? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, hell, just what is America? America is like 100 million. About 300 million. Yeah. 
So like that's three percent. Not a lot. Yeah, it's not because <laughs> <laughs> it's. A, I mean, there's also like the thing of like how pop culture itself is such a different beast nowadays than like in the nineties. I remember I was reading this thing from a college professor where he was like, "There's one of the differences I notice now is like when I started." I would like reference The Simpsons because that was a big show and like everyone would watch it. Whereas now, if I reference things that are even like still big, there's such a huge chance that most of the people still haven't seen it now. Not even like, oh, you know, people don't watch the classics, which is a true thing, I would argue. Like a lot of people don't go back to watch the classics. They don't. Uh, I was included in this until Jiraiya. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, it's such like a flash flash in the pan, is that the phrase? Uh with I think so, yeah. Yeah, with like how media is consumed nowadays. Cause like yeah. things last a month, I would say. If. <laughs> yeah, if like it's everything moves so fast. Like if if your show is off the air for like a year, it's dead. It's gone. Yeah. People fucking like Attack on Titan, like that thing was fucking huge when it came out, and like I did not hear nearly as much buzz when it was ending. Yeah. Like it was still a huge show, but like not like it was at the start. And it's stuff like with anime, like there will never be the big three just because of how anime has changed, like how people consume it. Yeah. Like at, when I started getting anime, there was like this expectation before you like interact with people online. <laughs> like you had like a laundry list. You had to like finish your chores. You had to watch all, you had to ha watch Harui Suzumiya and Lucky Star and all these anime before you were allowed to like interact with the other anime fans whereas now like uh did you watch the new show all right you're good yeah yeah that's and, like that's just media nowadays in a lot of ways it is and i think that that's something that i think people are yearning for a change in that yeah and i think that that comes in small steps because i think right now a lot of people and again this is smaller circles like of media stuff that like i talk about and stuff mm -hmm. But in the circles that I'm in, people yearn for commercial breaks again. People <laughs> yearn for one episode a week of a show because they want to be able to watch that thing and then everybody talk about that thing again. Yeah. They don't want to be stuck in like, hey, we all watched the one show that came out last week, right? And we all watched all of it and now we have nothing to talk about. Great. Like people want to exist in this longer discussion of things now. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of going to be the big turn, I think all of our generation was up coming on the internet. And so like, we're kind of stuck on it now. Like we're mm -hmm. just going to be in the internet. That's going to be our generation. Yeah. And we're going to be constantly being barraged by information. And I think the generation below us, honestly was stuck with that from birth. And I think they're kind of tired of it. Yeah. I think they're kind of tired of being barraged with everything. I mean, like even just our internet is such a different beast than yeah. what the internet is it now. Really was, like, yeah. yeah, I, I remember just like, using the internet a lot of it was like all right what random ass website can i find mm -hmm. and like that was such a huge part of the internet is like finding a new website and you're like yo this is a cool website let me show my friends whereas now it's like hey you see that new uh twitter thing it's like yeah yeah that's one of the three websites yeah uh people people just want a longer discussion they want a thing that they can all bite into yeah. and concentrate on and really exist with for a while. I think yeah. that's why anime still is like is such a huge thing. Cause that's the anim anime's model is one episode a week. Yeah. And like I wait until it's done before I watch something for the most part. 
So like I'll never, but I'm also never in these discussions anyways. Sure. I just draw fan art. I'm like, hey, I like this thing. You also don't binge. You purposely no. just don't because you just get tired of things. I, I can't. Yeah. Like I just, I'm so bad at sitting down. I've watched two episodes of something on an exercise bike and that's like my <laughs> limit. Yeah. <laughs> the idea of sitting down to a movie is hard. Yeah. But to be fair, like the last time that we did like a week to week thing that we made a, a big deal of it was whenever The Last of Us came out on the HBO show of it because you know, like we had our little group here that we had our discussions with. I wasn't there, by the way. No, no you, you weren't were not, there. No. But like my mom got into that show. And like, even though like I knew everything that was going to happen because I played the game, uh, like I got to talk to her every week about like what she thought of that episode. And like, oh, yeah, like this is a thing that was different from the game. And this is what was the same of the game. And like, this is how this and this worked. And, like, oh, yeah, this person was also in the game. And they had him like as a background character. Yeah. And you're like, in the game, they were actually zombies, whereas now they're mushroom people. <laughs> you're not far off. <laughs> it's very funny, because I've been editing the Last of Us stuff. It's so funny. You you gave up on the, like, they're not zombies by the, like, <laughs> by the point I mean in the thing, where you're like, yeah, they're zombies. <laughs> like, not zombies, just, though. No, you, you're adamant about that, but, like, you're so tired. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that this was much of a discussion about Blazing Saddles. I think this no, is I a think discussion this is about a, everything. Yeah, this is a discussion about the pop culture surrounding Blazing Saddles. and I, the, like, I, I guess the, the, the pop culture of the 70s and then compared to what it is now and how there's people like, oh, you can't make this today. And I, I think it goes along with like almost like a misguidance of it because you see that a lot with a, a lot of other things too. Like how there's people that were complaining about how political Final Fantasy VII was getting. <laughs> It's the most political video game. Yeah, like when it first came out in the '90s, it was super political. You just weren't paying attention because you were were seven. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, there's a lot. Like, I, I see. I mean, I mean, again, we're just gonna be talking about the surrounding stuff, anyways. I, I follow someone who like played all the Fallout's, and they like talk about how I think it was Fallout Three. There's such like a shift from like Fallout being like, yeah, nuclear sucks, and like Cold War and all that. Whereas, like, we're at a point in Fallout where it's, like, you use nuclear bombs as a common weapon. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, what happened there? Where, <laughs> how did they get there? Yeah. Fallout's one of those things that I think it became more popular than it deserved to be in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, it's it's definitely popular in the wrong group. Because Fallout's another one where people are like, Fallout doesn't have politics in it. And it's like, oh, it what absolutely are you talking does. about? It's a game about nuclear war. Yeah. It's going to be politics. It's only politics. Yeah. yeah. Every decision you make in that is politically based. Literally, you choose which party you align with in that game to decide how you play it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Is that, like, honestly, even the mascot is super political. The pit the, boy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he is. Because, like, uh, the whole thing of him, like, uh... Because how how uh, nuclear war sucks. The reason why he gives the thumbs up and is like has one eye open is because like the thing that they used to tell kids in the fifties is if you see a nuclear explosion, put your thumb up to like where the ground is, where the or where the nuclear explosion is. If the mushroom cloud goes above your thumb, then you'll all right, then you can get hit by nuclear fallout and you need to get further away. <laughs> it's so fun. Uh, like it's so sad because uh, when we learned about the Cold War, we watched a lot of those old like propaganda stuff. Yeah, and it's like. Oh, yeah, just hide under your desk if there's a nuclear bomb going off. Yeah. I mean, it's like, no, that's not going to work. There's a movie that, like, I think it'd be kind of cool to bring it to the podcast at some point in time called When the Wind Blows. That was, it was made in the animated one. Yeah, it's an animated one. But, like, that was made in the 80s. And it was talking about, like, uh, a lot of the, 
uh, like the guidance that they gave people in these booklets in Great Britain if nukes ever fall and like what to do in order to survive the fallout and like how years later they realize like, oh, this was bad advice. And like the whole idea <laughs> of that movie was like to uh, an older couple that just trusted their government and they didn't think or didn't thought like, you know, why would they lie to us about this? And like decided like, oh, we're just going to follow it step by step. And like how uh, whenever the nukes fell and they like followed the guidance that was given to them and like, oh, our, our government wouldn't lead us the wrong way. And like how things just like slowly get or go out of control just because like they were misinformed and hmm. how it could cause hmm. more chaos. Okay. Very artsy movie from it what is. I remember. It's very sad, but it is very artsy. And people uh, want to watch it. Yeah. I like art. <laughs> uh, what if it's French though? <laughs> uh, well, good news, it's British. Okay, good. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, anyways, Blazing Saddle. Like a lot of Blazing Saddle is just surrounding that discussion of you can't make it anymore nowadays. I feel like because like we we I feel like we touched on most of the stuff of like, killing the westerns, like the point, the racism, the fact that it's fucking hilarious. It is like, hilarious. That's kind of the thing of like I don't really want to discuss the movie joke by joke because that's what this movie is is jokes. Yeah. yeah. And it is one of those movies that deserves to be watched and to be experienced. This is one of those movies where I've been very careful with about it talking to E because I didn't want to spoil the jokes. Yeah, and I'm glad you didn't. There's so many things I would never expected. Yeah, like this movie above all else, the reason why it got to the status of being one of those movies that people continue to talk about is because it is just that good. It's that funny. It's it that is. hilarious. I mean, all of like these Mel Brooks parody movies are so insanely funny. Yeah. Like, you know, if you haven't seen Young Frankenstein, that one's also such a fucking amazing so movie. Good. That might've like, been mine and dry as uh, introduction to Mel Brooks films was Young Frankenstein. I think it was mine too. Mine was uh, Robin Hood. Oh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. That That's was my first one, one I want to watch. It's it's so it's, it's pretty funny. It's That's one silly. that would be weird though cuz like I don't have like I haven't ever watched any Robin Hood stuff. And that's so I wouldn't have the thing. It's and that's one of those yeah. things of like it specifically is making fun of Robin Hood movies. Yeah. yeah. Cuz that was actually another thing of like there was a lot of Robin Hood movies like Disney made a Robin Hood movie or uh, like five live action ones. There's one probably year. more than 5. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot, yeah. I mean like I, I think Robin Hood, like, went into the public domain around that time is probably why. I could be wrong. I don't know, actually. I don't know. Actually, maybe not, because I think Robin Hood's just kind of, like, a folk tale. I don't think it was, like, a specific book. Yeah, I think folk tales just on the table. Anybody can do it. Yeah, to an extent. Yeah. I mean, like, Peter Pan was always a weird one, I remember. Yeah, but most people can still just do Peter Pan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, oh, I think it's because the book Peter Pan was written in, like, 1862 or something like that. So, no. If I remember, Peter Pan actually came out after Mickey Mouse. Because, like, you know, the general rule of thumb always was before Mickey Mouse, you're good. After Mickey Mouse, you're not. Uh, that has to, That's changed now because Mickey Mouse finally hit the public domain. Yeah. Um, but, like, I because it was, one, it was in a different country, which always has such a fucking mess with copyright between different countries. But I think the person who wrote it, from what I remember, just gave up the copyright. And that's why you could do Peter Pan stuff. Yeah. It's very possible. I mean, also the book's fucking like crazy. <laughs> by the way, yeah, from what I understand, the book is completely different and very it's mature. Like, actually, yeah, yeah, it's fucked up in yeah. a lot of ways. Okay. But yeah, the original book came out in like 1904. Okay, yeah. of it, which I think that's what it is. Is like copyright was different. Uh, if it was in the public domain, chance or Disney was gonna make a movie about it. No, yeah. um, that's so how they got their everything. Yeah, it really is because that's thing like Snow White. That was a, a very old grim. Like uh, they took a lot of grim fairy tales, which yeah. were. 
you know, what was it, like 15th, 16th century or something uh, okay. like that? So, like, the, again, the thing about Grimm's fairy tales is that's not, like, the de facto, this is where a lot of things originated from. Like, well, most no, of them like, were they took a lot of to- folk tales. Yeah, I know, but, like, a lot of folk tales that ended up in the Grimm fairy tales were, like, stuff that Disney ended up making movies about later on, yeah, is what I, I'm saying. I, I just, like, there there is a lot of confusion about that, like, what Grimm's fairy tales actually are. Like, a lot of people do think they're, like, the originators of these stories. Oh, when no, they're not. not. No, because uh, a lot of them are old, uh, like, Scandinavian-German-type and yeah. folk tales of just, like, ways that parents are trying to scare their kids not to go run off into the wild in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of those. Because wolves exist. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I mean, think... that's literally Red Riding Hood. That's literally Red Riding Hood. But, yeah, like, yeah, that was the thing about Disney. They took a lot of stuff that was in the public domain and said, we're going to make this our property now. Yeah. They're the reason why media is broken as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, just Mickey finally being in public means such a great thing. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge I don't actually want my fucking video games. You can. I yeah. legally can. You, you legally just... can put Steamboat Willie into any of the, yeah. your video games. And I can call him Mickey Mouse. Yes. Yeah. You can. Uh, I will probably still end up getting in a fight with Disney <laughs> if it got big. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, uh, John Oliver just straight up put Steamboat Mickey on his show as one of his uh, mascots yeah, now. He's the mascot now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, that's great. And Adults. literally just like, hey, Steamboat Mickey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just here to let you know. Corporations aren't your friends. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, one, it was such a similar thing. One of the things that was, like, huge is Adult Swim just had a bumper that used ste- the Steamboat Willie, like, and just had it, like, humping something. And, yeah, like, cause... it's silly and juvenile, but, like, a big company was like, hey, we're going to fucking use this because we can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's actually half the reason why you see so many uh, Sherlock spinoffs these days yeah. is because uh, the original novels went into public domain. Therefore, they were able to do whatever they wanted with that character. Kind of, but there's still like some weird shenanigans with there the is, of Sherlock. The only reason why is because it was this book series, so they yeah. can use like the earlier stuff but not some of the later stuff. Yeah. Which doesn't stop people. I, if I remember that shitty Winnie the Pooh uh Movie. Oh, the blood and honey yeah, thing? Yeah, it used characters that it legally did not actually have the right to use. But the funny thing about that is despite them being like, oh, we can do this now, it's like, you could have always done that because that would be a parody. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the, that's the funny thing with, like, especially with Mickey Mouse in the public debate, people are like, doing stuff like, hey, I could do this and this. It's like, you always could do that because almost all of these are parody. Yeah. It's like, oh, I could draw Mickey Mouse fucking doing a dance and it's like yeah you, you always could have done that could done that could have done that weeks ago years ago <laughs> yeah didn't have to wait the only thing like i've only seen like a couple things where it's like yes you legally would not have been able to do this until now which is like a couple people had a video game that i remember there's one that was it was like a twin six shooter like smash tv or something and it, they just added mickey mouse as a character <laughs> fuck it yeah why not yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah like there's a lot of things that fall i think it's less of like they were worried about doing a parody and like, oh, we can do it now as much as like they were uh, they know that like Disney's lawyers are just like hunting down for like any little thing that they could use against you yeah. in the court of law. I mean, even now, like there's still like a lot of legal gray area in terms of what you can do with the Mickey. Yeah. Yeah, there is. But Blazing Saddles. <laughs> yeah, Blazing Saddles. I think we should say our final thoughts on this. Yeah, if you're disappointed yeah. we didn't talk much, uh, go watch the movie. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think it's one of those things like we're just 
what you were saying before is because like a lot of this is just jokes and like it, this would have just like kind of turned into us talking about like mm. oh this was a really funny joke or this was a really funny bit that they did yeah. but it's worth seeing yourself uh with the with any mel brooks movie honestly yeah. yeah and i think we need like episodes like this where it's like more us talking about a lot of stuff surrounding it rather yeah. than the actual movie because mm. i hate to say it i think the i the idea of it and like kind of the I don't want to say like the politics of it, but like the PC culture around it and people saying, oh, you can't make this movie these days. And so like that has become bigger than the movie itself at this yeah, point. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Well, Robbie, final thoughts on Blazing Saddles. It's it's real funny. It's a very funny movie. Uh, like we said earlier, it has a, a message to say of like, you know, racism is wrong. And they use it in a Western setting because that's one of those things are just like, oh, people who were just not like very very white were considered unless you're too white then <laughs> if you're irish yes because yeah. they even do that joke in yeah. here just like all right fine we'll help out the blacks and we'll help out the chinese but not the irish <laughs> yeah all right fine maybe the irish fine, everybody then okay <laughs> but yeah as the most irish person in this room i found to be pretty funny <laughs> i don't know i haven't gotten my tests done <laughs> you're not irish how do you know <laughs> you're just not i bet my mom's side is fucking all over the place <laughs> yeah it's probably definitely all over the place <laughs> i think my dad's side can be pinpointed very specifically yes. though yes i can <laughs> but anyways um yeah like there is a lot of cultural rever- re- relevancy to this movie even today and i think that's why people kind of like point at it a lot too because like this was very much a lightning in a bottle kind of movie uh, like I said, there were some jokes that were just kind of meh. There were some absolutely hilarious jokes, especially some of the, on the visual side of some of them. Um, I think if I can spoil it, one of them, I think one of my favorite like little visual gags that they had was the hangman in this one and how like they had like just a line of people waiting to get hung and like (laughs) one of them he was hanging a guy who was uh riding a horse and he had a noose around the horse's neck too. (laughs) So good. It was really good. (laughs) Good visual gag. Um, but yeah, like this is arguably quintessential Mel Brooks film and Mel Brooks was always one of those guys that he wanted to protest things that made him angry by using comedy and he's done this for a long time like he was actually before he was even a filmmaker was known for like playing Jewish music uh, while he was a soldier in World War II in front of not in front of like Nazi towns and basically giving him the finger yeah and that's just the kind of person that he's always been and so like after he or after the war was done and you know he went back and started making movies he still wanted to protest these things and he did not hold back on it. And he's very well known for not holding back on what he wants to say. And this is definitely one of the better ways to show that was with this movie. And I think he fucking nailed it. Uh, I think like there are things to nitpick about this movie. It's not perfect, but it is still a great movie. And like I said, quintessential Mel Brooks. I, I give it a nine out of 10. All right. E. Uh, yeah, this movie's fucking hilarious. I was laughing my ass off the whole time. These guys can attest. Yeah. Um, there's so many, it, it does the amazing thing comedies can do where it will just catch you off guard so often and like in a good way, like just you're like ready for any joke and it hits you with a fucking, it hits you on the back of the head with the shovel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's just so, it's so good in a lot of ways. It has like a really good story it's a huge parody of westerns but it feels like it is still made by someone who does like westerns like it doesn't feel like it's like westerns are awful it just says westerns are silly which is true westerns are silly yeah and if you know in a way i i think of people who like get mad if you're like yeah superheroes are kind of silly 
And they're like, no, they're serious. Here's the scene of Batman talking. And it's like, yeah, uh, one of these guys is dressed up like a bat. Did you realize that? <laughs> <laughs> the other guy's a clown, and this guy's a bat. Is a bat yelling at a clown. You know that's what's happening, right? Yeah. Like, it, you know, it's it's because people have their fucking ha- heads up their ass so much. It's like, things are allowed to be silly, yeah. and you're allowed to, like, poke fun without hating on stuff. Yeah. Unless in the internet, you learn, but it really should. <laughs> so here's the thing. There's a superhero named Batman. There's also a superhero named the Daredevil. One of them is an adrenaline junkie that uh, that hides in the shadows and uh, beats up bad guys in the middle of the night. And the other one loses, uses echolocation to uh, fight his enemies. <laughs> when you find out which one is which, you're going to be fucking pissed. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, no, this movie is so funny, so awesome, like. It is, it is so, it is almost sad in a way that it's so caught up in, like, you can't make this anymore. Because, like, I think that detracts from just, like, how good a movie it is. Yeah. Like, even if it was true inherently, like, that you couldn't make this anymore, who cares? This movie exists. Yeah. You can watch it. It's easy to watch. Yeah. You know how many, like, amazing movies we're on here and we're like, uh, if you fucking have Super TNT Go Plus... <laughs> And, like, you fucking jerk off David Zaslav or whatever yourself. You can watch this movie. I don't remember the name of the guy. has HBO or whatever. It's fine. Yeah. He's, he, doesn't, he doesn't deserve to be remembered. He's an awful yeah. person and canceled uh, Coyote versus Acme again. Ugh. So annoying. Uh, I know. Honestly, what I would argue, it's, it's not even so much that this movie cannot be made. It's that it shouldn't because this movie already exists and it's fine as it is. It just should yeah. be shown to people. Yeah, you could just air this again. Yeah, exactly. They, they are. They are. Yeah. I mean, if I remember, I think there were a couple, like, attempts to, like, remake this. Uh, One was, like, Blazing Samurai or something, I think. And that one had a rough history and barely came out. And then it was garbage, um, from what I remember. Anyways, <laughs> this yeah, this movie's awesome. And, like, I, I, in a way, I want to say everyone should watch this. But, like, I don't think everyone's going to be like, ha-ha. <laughs> I, I bet my mom would hate this movie. Yeah. My dad would love this movie, maybe for the wrong reasons, but he maybe. would love this movie. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would also give it a nine. I think, again, I think the only issue I have with this movie is the pacing's really weird, especially in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think it, like, slows down to a halt in the middle and then picks back up. It's like, you're, like, right in a train, and, like, they're, like, they just realize they had to stop a little too late. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, this movie is fantastic. To kind of piggyback off of Robbie here a little bit, I agree that this so much isn't a movie that you can't make today. It's a movie that you shouldn't make today. You don't need to. Yeah. It's not required. Most of the lessons that this movie is teaching people are things that people weren't mentally aware of at the time. This movie is a product of its time. And you can take that product and put it into today's standards, and it's still hilarious, and it's still amazing, it's still well-made. It's like a shelf-stable bagel. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, like, the things of why it is still so relevant today is sad that it's still relevant today. It's not like, man, you can watch this and it's still as amazing as it was because of all the subject matter. No, it's, it is actively depressing that you can watch this and still be like, Fuck, I saw that last week. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's why it shouldn't be made today, because you shouldn't have to make it today. That's kind of the big thing. You shouldn't have to make another Blazing Saddles 
for people to get their heads out of their asses and just know what's fucked up with the system and what it is that is keeping an entire people down. We are still systematically kind of keeping all of black people and most minorities silenced. And I think that we're in a point to where the media as it is, is so split that it, the people who do get to come out and speak out about things don't get to do it on the platforms of the people who need to hear it. And that's the part that's fucked up. So I agree. Yeah. It's not that you can't make this today. It's that you shouldn't have to make this today, and you shouldn't. But as a movie, as a film, it's amazing. <laughs> it's extremely funny. It is very funny. And it's something that anybody who is interested in comedy and the baser instincts of what should drive a comedy scene, this is 101. This is fucking starting class. Hey, here is perfection on comedy. Figure it out from here. As a film pacing, he's right. I think the dance scene in the middle kind of destroys the pace. Yeah. Well, the dance scene does. Um, <laughs> honestly, for me, like whenever Mel Brooks himself shows up in some of the scenes, that that's just kind of like, eh, I guess, kind of comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dance, but, I think the dance scene's weird because like it's, it's the one joke. And man, if you aren't into that joke, it drags. Yeah, yeah. it does. But the movie's great. I absolutely love it. Um, anybody who likes comedy in any way at all should check it out. But it's not for the faint of heart. This movie punches you in the face and kicks you in the dick. Also, uh, there's so many. There's a scene where it's just them farting for like a minute. Yeah, <laughs> there is that scene. Uh, but I agree with you guys. It's a nine. It's not perfect, but it's. Damn, it's, when it's good, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. But I think that's our discussion on Blazing yeah. Saddles. Yeah. If you can call it that. <laughs> and I, I think mostly our, it's the, the things around Blazing Saddles. Yeah. yeah. But uh, E, Yo. we have a link tree. We do. L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash L-O-I-P. Gives you a link to all our single social media. I should just start saying our Instagram because that's all that's there. <laughs> yeah. We can make a blue sky. They open it to public. Could technically do that. <laughs> could <yeah>. Do that. <laughs> uh, a link to the podcast stuff, uh, though. I assume you know what you want to listen to us on, and a link to all our Twitch stuff. We got a Twitch stream where Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays we play video games. Wednesday, I j- probably just started a game. Um, there's a couple contenders, so I don't. I'm not gonna say what <laughs> I did. Uh, Thursday is Rando Fighters with me and D. We have a big old wheel of fighting games. We spin it and we play that fighting game for 30 minutes. We have gotten Capcom Fighting Collection three <laughs> times in a row. <laughs> I was watching, I was playing Terraria at the time while the stream was going on, but I was watching and I saw glimpses of you guys doing some sort of Mario thing. Yeah, that was Super Kart Fighter. You you don't remember that one for the NES? Nope. <laughs> oh. it was, it's a bootleg okay good um we're playing like an improved version of the bootleg nice it's still kind of stanky but that one we've gotten twice because that was also on the last stream so the the the, the rotation was like something or it was super car fighter Capcom Fighting Collection, Capcom Fighting Collection again. Next stream, Capcom Fighting Collection for a third time. Super Kart Fighter, and then finally a new game. We played Survival Arts. Good, good. It's good. hilarious. 
I that's why I love it. It's just a fucking random wheel because that's just funny. Yeah, it's just good. objectively funny. We kept kidding it. It's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, uh, Saturday. I'm probably still playing Ghost Trick. I I guarantee it. I, you're not beating it today. Dude. No. All right. Good. <laughs> I'd be impressed if you did. <laughs> uh, all righty, Robbie. Yo, get us out of here. So you're out and about, and you see a new black sheriff in town. Make sure to say hi to him. Don't be racist. Make <laughs> him a pie. <laughs> yeah, make him a pie. He'd enjoy it. He'll love it. Better than that, uh, whether this is the very first time you've listened to us or even since the very beginning, thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. Thanks, E. Yeah. Thank you, Robbie. Yep. Everybody out there, have an amazing week. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. <laughs>